Welcome back to What Would Mozart Do? Today, I am talking to baritone Johnny Venvol, who is the Head of Artist Relations at Encore, a UK-based musician's booking platform that brings together clients with musicians to make their events as special as possible. In our chat, we talk about Johnny's experience working for and developing Encore, as well as the impact that the pandemic has had on the music industry. Hello, Johnny. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Nico. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you so much for joining me for this episode of What Would Mozart Do? Before we start and talk about your career and all the activities that you're busy with, uh, which is very exciting and, and important work, uh, can you just give me a bit of a background where you're from and what's your, your general professional background? Sure. Uh, my name is Johnny. I grew up in High Wycombe, but I now live in London. I'm Head of Artist Relations at Encore Musicians, which is one of the UK's largest online platforms for booking musicians for events. Generally, the events are weddings and functions rather than classical recitals that you might be more familiar with. Yeah. Um, but uh, I grew up in a very musical household. Both my parents are music teachers and I went to Cambridge to study music there. But at the end of my degree, I ended up joining Encore straight away, actually, after, after graduating. So mm -hmm. I've been at Encore for now five or six years in, in the time of which it's grown from being quite a small university project with just myself and, and the co-founders to becoming a fully-fledged business and a platform that supplies musicians across the UK. Wonderful. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's my professional story. I suppose. <laughs> and so uh, let's just talk a bit more about Encore just to, to put it in context. What would you say, what are the three biggest things that you've seen since you started to now, how it's developed and how did you do that? What, what, was the, what were the um, skills that you had to employ to help that growth in the business? Mm -hmm. When I joined, I was being brought into the business as the musician specialist. The two co-founders both studied computer science, so they're both excellent musicians, um, but I was the only one of the team who had studied music. So the skills that I'd learned understanding the different types of musician, the different types of musics out there were incredibly useful. My first task was to grow the network. Once I joined uh, at the time when I joined, there were about 5,000 people, I think, on the platform. And during the year that I joined, it grew to 20,000. And the way that I did that was often going to university and music college foyers, just chatting to undergraduates, trying to get them to sign up. And the fact that I'd done a music degree, I think, was very useful because I could make in-jokes yeah. and <laughs> had a bit of kinship with them. I don't think I would have had if I'd studied something else. So in the early days, I think it was the music knowledge and perhaps the interpersonal skills that you gain playing with other musicians. And then as time went on, I've had to do things like open up marketing channels. So we have marketing on Facebook and Google, where I've had to use quite a lot of analytical skills. Maybe I'm stretching a bit here, but I remember in my music degree, I had to do pitch class set analysis, all of these kinds of things that are a little bit analytical. And 
I think music can help you in that way as well. So it's definitely changed a lot from being something where I'm interacting with musicians a lot on a regular basis to being more of a, uh, a leading sort of structural thinking role where I'm working out where we're spending our marketing money, uh, how we're going to lead a PR campaign, how we're going to get more people booking our musicians on the platform. Uh, but I, I didn't in any sense feel that a different degree would have set me up better. And I felt that it was a, it was a great first career, to be honest. I'm, I'm very happy where I am. And I think I got quite lucky joining a, a business where I'm able to be a musician, but also learn lots of skills about growing businesses. Yeah, because it, they, I mean, more and more we see that that actually goes hand in hand, those two fields, really. You know, because the, I think the time where, for for general musicians, everyday musicians, and even to an extent the really top uh, musicians, they more and more find that they do business work themselves to further their careers, rather than completely depending on a on an agent. Is that perhaps something that you've? you've experienced of or seen how that changed in the um, industry? Mm-hmm. I think one thing that's come to the fore during the pandemic actually is that it's musicians who are able to be entrepreneurial and to think creatively about their skills and their careers. They've been able to make some semblance of success, let's say, out of a really difficult situation. In the last year, there's a couple of musicians that come to mind, in particular at Encore, who have managed to win thousands of pounds of bookings from things like creating videos for customers as gifts. Or we have a musician called Max who's become very good at doing beatboxing live streams to corporate meetings. Probably not something he'd imagine he would have done before the lockdown. Amazing. His ability to just try it out and... Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure he would have said he's improved along the way. And uh, I think those kinds of musicians are the ones that are best able to, to take advantage of, of different opportunities or different situations, having that kind of entrepreneurial business skill, I suppose, as part of their musicianship. And do you think that that openness to being entrepreneurial, of course, it would be different from one person to the next. I mean, not all musicians are equally entrepreneurial, but that sort of openness to have a go, as it were, do you think that is rooted in the fact that music making often is like singing together or playing a piece of music together when you first sight read through it or when you compose it? That's in a way also at first just having a go and see what what comes out, right? I think so. When you're a musician, you have to become used to the idea of doing something that's unfamiliar, whether that is sight reading a new piece or joining a new ensemble. You're going to feel uncomfortable. I think as a musician, you encounter those sorts of situations very regularly in a way that you perhaps don't if you're someone who's used to doing a, a laptop job day in, day out. So I think constantly pushing yourself to be outside of your comfort zone and to encounter challenges that are perhaps unforeseen or ones that you, things that you've never tried to, to do before, I think sets you up well for challenges outside of music, 
in life if you have that same sort of approach if you can think of life as a sight reading exercise that you haven't seen before then yeah <laughs> maybe yeah think things will be better things will work out better yeah i think some people will be quite inspired by that parallel but also others would be completely uh, no. petrified by it <laughs> depends on your sight reading ability i suppose exactly exactly <laughs> um so let's get back to encore I know you started very early after your graduation, but what is it that drew you to Encore and what is it about the managers of Encore that drew them to you? I admit when I graduated, I had no idea what I'd do with my music degree. I'd done quite a bit of gig reviewing and had vague ambitions of perhaps going into radio or journalism, but I knew I definitely wanted to work somewhere where I could be around other people that were creative and ideally had some kind of appreciation for music. And the encore opportunity actually came about as part of a recommendation, I think, from a friend of mine called Addy, who's a violinist. And he just let me know that James Corley, who's the CEO and uh, a cellist that I played with in Cambridge, he just set up this this new project with a with a co-founder, also called James, confusingly, <laughs> Cambridge. On the one hand, that's confusing, but on the other hand, it makes a meeting very easy because <laughs> you you only have the one name to remember. <laughs> Perhaps <True. laughs> we also ended up hiring a load of people whose names begin with J. So I'm Johnny. We also have a Joel. We did have a Joe. So at one point, the majority of people in the company's name began with J. So you could just go with one initial and then that addresses everyone. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, but I interrupted you. Yeah. So I was just saying, I knew I wanted to work somewhere that was creative and the opportunity came about. So it seemed like a, a golden opportunity and I decided to, to join. I didn't really know where it would go at that point. Mm -hmm. But I think probably what's meant that I've, I've stayed and I've really invested in in a career at Encore is that James and James, to their credit, have managed to keep this creative musical culture within the team. We've managed to hire almost all of our, our new employees have been musicians, with the exception of Ilkin, who's, who's a developer, so we'll let him off. He's a very good chess player. <laughs> there you go. Chess players are musicians too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so being able to go to the work and know that pretty much everyone sitting at their desks is a musician, I think was really important for me personally. Mm. Audi, our designer, is a bossa nova singer. Perrine, our customer support specialist, studied opera in Amsterdam. Joel is very into uh, R&B guitar. There's, there's a real mix. And I think that also, well, I hope that that comes across in the way that we deal with musicians and customers as well. And I feel like that's a slightly different approach uh, that Encore has compared to other agencies in the, uh, or, or more traditional companies in the agency, music agency area, mm -hmm. is that I, I, we have musicians sitting there behind the computers doing the work for other musicians. So, I, yeah, I guess, I guess to summarise, I knew I wanted to work somewhere that was that fostered a creative environment and that had musicians. And Encore has managed to be that place. And the fact that we've hired musicians has meant that we've been able to maintain that culture of building something with musicians for musicians. 
Fantastic. Well, then, I mean, you you sort of touched on the pandemic earlier, but it's at the moment a, a topic we can't uh, skirt around. We have to address it. And some of the great work that you've done and that um, Encore has done is to find out like really in a point space and percentages how the pandemic has really affected people's careers and how they've responded to it. You've spoken about the um, colleagues of yours that managed to uh, create work for themselves entrepreneurially. But um, what are the numbers? How, how has the pandemic affected musicians? Yeah, so about six months ago, I sent out a survey to our members asking them a series of questions about how the pandemic had affected them, how it affected their earnings, how many bookings they were getting. And the responses were pretty stark. The main headline stat that we had was that 64% of musicians were considering leaving the music profession. And that was six months ago. And I think that stat probably hasn't changed or if I'm honest, might have got worse in, in the next, in the, the most recent six months. So it's, it's pretty shocking and it made for some really tough reading, particularly at the end of the survey when we had the opportunity for musicians to leave. Uh, there was an open text field where they could leave their stories, explain mm-hmm. how the pandemic had affected them. And there were lots of themes that were coming up, musicians having to move in with their, their parents, not being able to afford rent, um, transitioning to, to different careers. One of the musicians who I said was able to make thousands of pounds by making videos. He himself was retraining as a plumber. So even, even some of the musicians who were taking the right approach were still finding they needed to retrain. And a couple of other pretty shocking stats were that on average, musicians had lost about £10,000 from cancellations since March. So I don't think it's surprising for anyone now. And it doesn't make them any less shocking, but I feel like this is this has been reported quite widely that it's had a, a really terrible effect for musicians. And I think we just have to be aware of the situation and then and plan for the future cautiously. But also, I feel that the worst has probably been behind us. And certainly at Encore, we're seeing bookings on the rise again, which is really encouraging. January mm-hmm. and February have been much better. We had more bookings in January than November and December put together, I think. So things are on the up, but yeah, the the survey that we carried out last year did reveal some pretty shocking points and um, they they ended up getting picked up in the Guardian and even actually in the Argentinian press all all across the, and ABC Spain decided to report on it. So it was definitely, it was the first time we carried out a uh, a project like this, doing a survey. And I'm really glad we did. I think it came out of a desire to want, wanting to, bring the plight of musicians to a, a broader audience and get people's attention. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a good way to do it with a survey. And so, so this survey was um, just to be clear, this survey was based on UK based musicians, correct? Yes. It okay. was out to Encore members and pretty much everyone is in the UK. Right. And how do these numbers compare to, other countries, do you know of other surveys that have addressed similar or the same topic? I admit I, I hadn't actually, I haven't come across any surveys in other countries. 
I'm sure they're out there, but we, we were focusing just on how can we make sure the plight of UK musicians is brought to the attention of people in, in government or people in the press. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have any idea of how it's been affecting musicians elsewhere? I mean, beyond that, it's affected everybody everywhere. <laughs> um, I don't have any specific numbers or you know any statistics with regards to that. It's just, I mean, basically everything that we've seen in the newspapers. But do you think that, because my feel for it at least is that once your, once your numbers, once your statistics came out, it felt like there was more of a conversation being had and there was more press openly about how the pandemic is affecting the industry. Do you think that's accurate? I would like to think that it contributed to increased press about how musicians are being affected by the pandemic. I think uh, I, w- I wouldn't want to compare it necessarily to the efforts of organisations like the MU or the ISM who mm-hmm. have constantly been campaigning on this issue and have done some brilliant work. I know the MU brought out a survey with similar results, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, a few weeks after this. So they were obviously working on the same thing. And but I'd, I'd like to think it contributed, the Encore survey contributed to that that effort that was led by people like ISM and MU. Yeah, absolutely. So you say that things are on the up and there are more bookings for um, Encore, which is wonderful. Where do you and the Jameses, where do they see Encore go next? What, what's the goal um, mm-hmm. or goals for Encore? It's a good question. I think there are a number of different ways Encore could go. The primary goal of Encore is to get musicians live bookings, and that will continue to be the case as long as live work is possible. And the numbers I was mentioning about bookings in January and February, those are for live bookings, obviously later in the year and you know, 2022, 2023, and hopefully we'll be back to having normal gigging again. But that's going to continue to be our focus, making sure the customers feel confident booking, even under these circumstances when the pandemic is making things uncertain. So we've introduced different cancellation terms and uh, some COVID protection rules to help customers feel that that they can trust booking a musician through Encore. But at the same time, we've... Every now and again, we organise uh, a day which we call a hackathon. You might be familiar with the term from yeah. Silicon Valley, where we just drop everything we're doing and focus on an entirely new project. Mm-hmm. We've done a few of these over the last few months, and they've been quite helpful. And a few things that have come out of that that we might continue to pursue are we've created a, a database of virtual experiences. So if someone's looking for musicians or some kind of entertainment for a large corporate Zoom call. Mm-hmm. They can browse our, our database of experiences and a number of those are our own musical experiences that we developed recently. These include the video gift idea that I mentioned became very popular last year. We called these personalised music messages mm-hmm. and they've been popular in the lead up to Valentine's Day. People will 
book a musician on encore to perform a cover of one of their favorite love songs, for example, and then get the musician to change the lyrics to include the name of their, their Valentine and mm-hmm. then send that video to their, their Valentine's um, as Valentine's presents. So there's that. And then there's also, we're seeing people booking musicians for Zoom calls, usually individual musicians. So last week I spotted an opera singer who got booked for a 50th birthday anniversary, or there was a violinist who got booked for a, a 26th birthday event as well. So there are still these kinds of virtual bookings going on, mm-hmm. but our main focus is still getting live bookings for musicians. So it's... So it's um... The live bookings are the focus, but you can see that there's sort of a parallel stream developing stronger and stronger. Um, are you thinking of potentially balancing these uh, 50-50 or equally rather than 50-50? Or do you think your your focus would always remain for live performance? I think at the moment I would say it's probably about 2080 in terms of the split of virtual to live bookings. Mm-hmm. So it's still a minority of bookings that are, are being booked for Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would, I would love to think that people will more regularly book musicians for Zoom calls or to jump in and, and give a, a piano session for a, a cocktail evening mm-hmm. online. But my hunch is that people, as soon as you can return to having someone live, will just go for that option. Yes, I there's, think, there's very, yeah. it's very different to having somebody in the room rather than, than on a computer, right? Because, I mean, you could argue that you could just put on a recording, mm-hmm. any, any kind of uh, get Spotify or something going. Yeah. We found the things that have had most success have been musicians who are able to do something interactive at the same time, whether that's streaming on Twitch and interacting by typing stuff into the comments, or we had over Christmas musicians lead workshops where they'd help teams at companies like Accenture create a Christmas number one um, with some fairly limited musical parameters. So, yeah, I think in the next year or so, musicians will continue to be required to be able to do something virtually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think it's going to become 50-50. I still think it will be a, a smaller segment of bookings overall. Yeah. So then finally, I would like to ask your own music making. What do you do? Yeah, well, I haven't actually mentioned it, but um, I... When I was at university, I did a lot of choral singing. I played oboe. That's actually how I met James. Mm-hmm. And I've continued to do choral singing. I sing regularly in a church choir and occasionally also do projects with the Facade Ensemble, which specializes in 20th century repertoire, which is, which is really good fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit of a, a musical omnivore. And I think that's why I've enjoyed having a, a day job that isn't necessarily music making because it means outside of work, I can focus on just doing whatever I want really musically. So I've I've recently in the last few years become quite interested in Brazilian music and I've joined a samba band in London. And one of my lockdown projects has been learning the pandero, which is the national instrument of Brazil, which is a a tambourine. Mm -hmm. And I'm also currently 
as we're, we're stuck in lockdown and working on a folk EP. So I'm hoping to get that recorded within the next few weeks. And that's using Irish low whistle, which I guess is what I've transitioned onto after my overplaying days. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I will hold on to the term a musical omnivore. I really like that. And in a way, all of us are similarly, because we have to constantly do so many different things to continue our work uh, within music. But I, I think a musical omnivore, that's, that's really fantastic. It's taking all the perimeters away and just shows how open you are to, to any kind of music making, which is wonderful. <laughs> I think there's nutrition to be gained in all sorts of music. Very good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Um, I really appreciate your time and thank you also for the important work that you and Encore are doing, um, not only in helping musicians to get back uh, to performing and getting back to the business that they are supposed to be doing, um, and want to do, but also to contextualize how the uh, pandemic um, has affected the industry to highlight what we and the population really need to work together on to build up again after the pandemic is over. So thank you so much for joining me today. No problem, Nico. It's been a pleasure. I hope it's been useful. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Would Mozart Do? If you want to hear more, you can find other episodes on your podcast provider. Feel free to get in touch with me via Instagram at What Would Mozart Do? Follow me on Twitter or email info at whatwouldmozartdo.com. <laughs>